This program is brought to you by the partners of A Root Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Root Awakening International today. Yehovah is everywhere and in everything around us, but we won't recognize him unless we are operating at God speed. Best-selling author and award-winning journalist Joe Kovacs reveals the divine code in every moment that unlocks the Almighty's message embedded in everything that we experience in our physical world. Because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun is set, and this is Shabbat Night Live. Shabbat Shalom Torah fans. Welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood. This is going to be a fun series. Joe Kovacs, author of Godspeed, joins us tonight for the first of four episodes about taking a step back and recognizing that Yehovah is in everything we experience at all times. From the songs we know, to blockbuster movies, commercial messages, and historic news events, Joe Kovacs is about to challenge you to see Yehovah is all around us, even in the actions of those who don't necessarily believe in him. And with a new series comes the final Shabbat of the second month on the astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar. There you have it on your screen. All right, so let's talk more about things going on lately with my co-host, David Robinson. Hello, Scott, good to be here. Good to see so yeah. Joe Kovacs, so when, <laughs> he's really got an interesting book here with Godspeed. He joined us previously for uh, Bible Myths and Mysteries. Yep. Uh, Joe's really good about saying, well, have you thought about this? You know, yeah, I'm really, really interested in seeing what this is all about yeah. because I haven't really, you know, talked to you about it much. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, and in some, you know, if you look at the back of his book, uh, you know, like, and, and things he talks about, you think, oh, come on, that's sacrilege. You know, mm -hmm. the st a Stairway to Heaven, the Led right. Zeppelin song. You right. say, well, God has embedded his message in that song. And you're like, come on, these people are practically Satan worshipers. Yeah, you know, no, it's actually that song they say if you play backwards, you hear some <laughs> satanic, satanic message. All right, so anyway, but he says, you know what? We have to yeah, yeah, take those thoughts and take a step back and say, Yehovah is in control. He can manipulate anybody That's he right. wants. Yeah. So, I mean, a Pharaoh, he hardened Pharaoh's heart. That's right. Who was the one who went through and saw the blood on the doorpost? Was it the angel of death? But then Yehovah said, I went through and saw the. So, we really have to expand our minds here and go, okay. Yeah, you know we have concepts of good and evil and where they come from, but Yehovah is in control. Right. So what do we do with that when we see humans coming up with these things like movies and all this? Is God's message really in all these things? So Joe has a really interesting take on this. Whether you agree with it, or uh, not. I can't wait to see it. I mean, I'm being an outdoorsman. I'm always you know out and and hunting and fishing or whatever. And so I can I can feel the presence of Yehovah. I mean, mm. I can see him in everything outdoors and how everything works together for his purpose. So I'm, I'm really interested in this. I really want to yeah, like, take a good look at this. Even when you're hunting, for example. So like, you, you know, you see the trees and the Bible talks about how the trees, you know, yeah. praise Yehovah. So that's physical. I mean, we, we've we've got science now that proves that rocks make noise. Right. right? And trees frequency. make frequencies. Yeah. Everything makes yeah. a frequency. So literally in our modern day, we have discovered that if you want to take it in a literal sense, that is true. Right. The trees and the rocks do cry out before Yehovah. Right. And then as Joe says, okay, that's fine, but you have to remember that there's a lot of metaphor. So right. the trees yeah. represent people. 
right? So we are to praise Jehovah. So mm -hmm. it's like, you really need to expand your mind and say, it's not just this. You know, exactly. it, it, people ask all the time, right? Is the Bible spiritual or physical? And we say, yes. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's both. Yes. So get used to it, you know, and we just have to think about these things with an open mind. So I think this series will really open have, people's minds. I am really looking forward to it. Yeah, I can't it's wait. fun. Now, a lot of people have been looking forward to getting this cup. A lot of people have received it in the mail and it's still available. It ends like what, Tuesday, I guess. Tuesday. So this is the uh, one of the love gifts we have for this month. And uh, we want to talk a little bit about that. So Bill Cloud came in and recorded a couple of messages with us. And this one is the best one I think he did, uh, the Babylonian mindset. Yeah. Uh, this is the all about what you choose. So he, he focuses on, the reason why it's called the Babylonian mindset, and we have the, uh, the, the statue of Nebuchadnezzar there, mm -hmm. is because this is about the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right. Everyone else around them is like, yes, sir, yes, sir, we'll do whatever you want, we'll bow before the golden statue. And these three are like, nope. Nope. Not doing it. That's right. And wow, to yeah. have the guts to do that. Are we gonna do that? Right, we have we face the same thing. They were faced with, well, you're gonna be thrown in the fiery furnace. Mm -hmm. Well, we have governments that say, well, we'll throw you in jail. Yeah. You'll lose everything. You'll never see your family again. Same thing. Yeah. Uh, are we gonna believe Jehovah that he's gonna save us? I mean, my, I think about that in Ukraine. I mean, I think about the believers that have lost their lives there, you mm -hmm. know? And yep. I, I mean, we, why can't what's going on in Ukraine happen here. I mean, right. we, we kind of believe because we're the U.S., you know, we're so strong as far as the military and and uh, unification in so many ways, but th that could actually happen here. And, what, and how are we going to behave? How are we right. going? Are we going to stand up for what we believe mm -hmm. during that time? And I hope that, you know, Trey Sprinkle, what we learned from him earlier in the month, will remember those things. Yeah. Uh, you know, Yev, who's our production manager, what, she is from Ukraine, so this really hurts her heart. She's yeah. got friends and family there, and she said, hey, look, can we get Trey on here? Because we need to understand what's going on over there. Exactly. You know, even while these governments are fighting and, and going at it, these poor people are caught in the, the crossfire. They didn't ask for this. Right, I mean, there's been so, so, so many civilian deaths, and each and every day you're finding a new, another news uh, article that's uh, referring to the fact that they found more casualties as far as civilians. So it's it's a really bad situation over yep. there. And you know, there's there's nothing to say it can't happen here. Right. And, so we need to know. We do. We need to sort of put in our minds what are we going to decide when yeah. it comes to that. Because well, renew your mind. Train your train your mind. We have to continually. And the only way you can train your mind is by being in the Word of God. You have mm -hmm. to be in His Word to know what his will is and to know what's happening before you. Because there's a lot of things that are gonna take place that are like a mind game. Mm -hmm. And the only way to, to be able to combat that or to understand that is being in the scripture, understanding the scripture, understanding the, the attacks of the enemy, and, and, yep. and most of all, being part of a community. So, again, the Babylonian mindset, like you said, keep your, keep your mind in the word, read it, reread it, keep going, and he'll reveal, reveal things to you that you've right. never seen before. Exactly, right? and, and you, you're, you're able to understand what's going on in the spiritual realm. Yeah. If you're not in the word of God, you tend to judge and to navigate your thoughts by what you see. I mean, that's just natural, right? Yeah. But if you're in the Word of God, you see in the spiritual realm, and it fortifies your spirit, and your mind's becoming renewed. Uh, Romans 12, too, I think it is, uh, renewing of the mind, that we need to go back to the beginning mm -hmm. when we first came to that love and passion of knowing Yahuwah and renew our mind in his work constantly, constantly, constantly. Mm -hmm. And that's how we can fight against the enemy and his attacks. Indeed. Speaking of reading the Bible, or it was Exodus 12, 15. I was 12, 15. Oh, yeah, I just want to correct myself. Gotcha. Okay. 
I've got 600 emails already, probably in my office. <laughs> right? <laughs> Scott's quoting the Bible wrong. Anyway, anyway you'll, you, we'll tell you more about these gifts in a commercial coming up. But hey, it's, it, it ends Tuesday, so make sure you get them. All right, thanks, David. All right, so best-selling author and award-winning journalist Joe Kovacs reveals the divine code in every moment that unlocks the Almighty's message embedded in everything we experience in our physical world. It's Godspeed, episode one. The Kiddish with Michael is next, though. Stay tuned. In the book of the Revelation, we are warned against being lukewarm. But lukewarm is not a lack of being hot or cold. It's about being mixed. It's about having a Babylonian mindset. Let's be careful in this day and time not to allow ourselves to be conditioned by the Babylonian mindset that is gonna offer what looks good, mm -hmm. makes sense, it might save my life, but if I'm seeking to save my life, I might lose it. The Babylonian Mindset with Bill Cloud is a sobering, poignant challenge for our times. But this exclusive teaching is not for sale, and it's not on YouTube. The only way to watch it is to receive it as a thank you gift from Michael Rood. Donate a $50 love gift, and we'll send you The Babylonian Mindset with Bill Cloud on DVD or Blu-ray. Or for a donation of $100, we'll send you The Babylonian Mindset, plus a Hebrew Alphabet coffee mug, featuring all Hebrew letters with their English equivalents and pronunciations. Or with a donation of $300, we'll send you The Babylonian Mindset, The Hebrew Alphabet coffee mug, plus a pair of candle holders made from olive wood from Israel, etched with the words Shabbat Shalom in Hebrew. These gifts are a limited time offer from Michael Rood to thank you for your support. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift, the $100 gift, or the $300 gift. These special gift collections featuring Bill Cloud are available only in May and supplies are limited. Call now to receive your gifts, 888-766-3610. That's 888-766-3610 or get your gifts online at monthlylovegift.com. If you like what you see on Shabbat Night Live, you'll love the bonus episodes, now available only on the michaelrood.tv app. These bonus episodes dive deep to give you more serious study, cutting edge content, and righteous raves you won't find anywhere else. It's Michael Rood Uncut. Sign up now to get the michaelrood.tv app free for 14 days. It's everything Michael Rood, plus all new bonus episodes you won't find anywhere else. Sign up to watch now at michaelrood.tv. Some of the traditions in modern-day Judaism are what Yeshua said are takanot, laws which change biblical law, which are forbidden, and Yeshua said don't do them. But other traditions are remembrances of good things in the past, and they are a shadow picture of good things to happen in the future. On the Sabbath, we take two hollow loaves, two loaves of bread. This represents the manna, the double portion that we received on the sixth day. This was God's provision for us. And this is what it continues to mean to us today. When Yeshua, just before his crucifixion, the night before his crucifixion, at the last supper that he had with his disciples, he took bread and he blessed, not the bread, he blessed the Most High. And he said, Baruch Atah, Yehovah, Eloheinu Melech 
Hamotzi lechem, mean haaretz. And he broke the bread and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you do this, remember this. By his stripes, we were healed. And then he took the cup and he said, in the prayer of Melchizedek to Abraham, Baruchata Yahovah, Elohino Melech Alam, Borei Puri Hagafen. Blessed are you, Yahovah, our God, King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And Yeshua said this, what you have been doing for a thousand years from the time of Abraham, this represents the renewed covenant in my blood. This is how I will pay for the broken covenant I will pay the death penalty and do this until I come. Ever had one of those conversations with God? You know, those things where you you think you're talking to yourself and all of a sudden someone answers back. <laughs> that happened to me about 15, 20 years ago. I remember I was in Canada shoveling snow in our home in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. And it was, it was a heavy snowfall. I'm shoveling the snow and I'm said to God, why do you make this stuff anyway as I'm shoveling? And he goes, well, Scott, why do you think I make this stuff? And I thought, well, I don't know. God, why do you make this stuff? Well, where does snow appear? Is it in the southern areas of the world, like in Florida and Hawaii and places like this? Well, no. Is it in the north? Yes. When does it appear? In winter. So I'm having this conversation with God. He makes me realize that the reason why he creates snow is to give those in the extreme hemispheres, in the south and the north, where the earth is tilted during winter, a a place or a, or a, uh, a method of seeing in the dark. When the moon is out, it reflects on the snow and they can see because it's dark for a lot of the time of the day. Interesting, makes sense. I think that was a divine revelation from God and someone who has all these type of things all the time is Joe Kovacs. Joe, welcome to Shabbat Night Live. Thanks so much, Scott, a pleasure to be here. Now you have something called Reaching God's Speed. This is a book you wrote about how God just shows up in our everyday lives and we don't realize it. Is that right? Right. God is present in everything. And, you know, I was like most Bible readers, Bible writers. I wrote another book called Shocked by the Bible years ago, and you were kind enough to have me on the show for that. Uh, And I read it typically how other people read the Bible, just for the history and, and learning lessons about life. However, I didn't realize how omnipresent God is in everything. And in the past couple of years, Uh, God has opened up my eyes, my spiritual eyes, as opposed to my physical eyes, to see hundreds and thousands of messages that are in Scripture, and not just in Scripture, but in our daily lives, Mm -hmm. in everything we do, the words we say, the songs we listen to, the, the movies that we see, even things in nature and the news. Everything is broadcasting the message of God. And so I wrote this book called Reaching God's Speed, And that phrase might be like, what what does he mean when he's talking about reaching God's speed? It's just getting you up to speed on the way God thinks, the way God teaches, Mm. the way he wants us to learn. When you start school or a new job, you're in algebra class, you have to get up to speed 
on what you're learning. So it's not more complicated than that. It's, it's really the spirit level of the Bible, the, the parable level, the metaphor level, getting you up to speed because Jesus only spoke in parables. Gotcha. Now, we, we try and dive into the Bible, of course, on Shabbat Night Live. And we learn about all kinds of things hidden in Hebrew, typically. So you have the name of Yehovah, the name of God. Well, there's all kinds of meaning there and that type of thing. But beyond that, there's just things around us. We don't need to dive into Hebrew to see all these types of things. I mean, we've, we've talked about some things before the cameras came on, and uh, we, we wanna share all those things that he has downloaded to you, essentially, uh, right. enough for an entire book. Right, I'll start off with something very simple because everybody knows a little bit of Godspeed already. There's a very famous part of the Bible in the Gospel of John where Jesus tells his apostle Peter, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Now, there's no one, I think, who watches this program that hears that message and says, oh, Jesus is telling Peter he's got a bunch of animals tied up in a pen behind his house and they need to be fed twice a day. Everybody understands that sheep represent people. So that's a simple, uh, a simple example of what mm. Godspeed is. Sheep represent people. It's a parable, it's an analogy, it's a metaphor, it's an allegory, and the entire Bible is like this. Mm. Not just scripture itself, but everything in life is a parable. So how did this, I mean, how did this happen? You said uh, that it took place in the last couple of years. So this is not something that's built up over no, no, 20 I've years had, or you something. Know, all of us are on a growing path toward toward God and our knowledge of God, but uh, I was thinking about one verse in particular, dwelling on it, and it was Romans 1.20, mm. which talks about, and I don't want to misquote it here, so I'll just read it, for his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. So we can learn about mm. God by studying what he's made. Well, what has God made? He's made everything. He's made every molecule on this planet, and he makes us, and everything that takes place is choreographed here by God. So no matter what you start looking at, anything that's been created, you can learn about God. And this just opened up my eyes to everything. Throughout the course of uh, this program, we're gonna get into example after example to show how God is present in everything. Mm. Now, if God is present in everything, obviously, like you said, when someone comes to algebra class, they need to get up to speed. So we need to get up to God's speed, as your, as your book title exactly. would, would, uh, would suggest. So what is the difference between human speed and God's speed? What is this God's speed? Well, human speed is what we experience through our five senses. We all have the sense of sight, hearing, taste, smell, and touch. Mm -hmm. We learn things through hearing it, and you're in class, and you see them, and you hear your teacher. That's human speed. We all touch physical things. God's speed is applying the Spirit of God, which is the very presence of God himself, to bring things to life, to open up our eyes. Jesus used the phrase, uh, having eyes to see and ears to hear all the time. And most people don't have eyes to see and ears to hear. His apostles at times did have eyes to see and ears to hear, but many times they didn't. He would uh, give a parable to them and they say, you know, we don't have any idea what this parable means. Please explain the parable uh, to us. And he even got on their case uh, once when he said, if you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand any of the parables, all of the mm -hmm. parables? Because everything is a parable. And um, I uh, actually, 
came up with five key verses in the Bible that can help everybody reach God's speed. Okay. And the first is uh, something we sort of mentioned about God's presence in everything. It's Ephesians 1.23, which says that uh, Christ who fills all in all, or some Bible translations have that as Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. So that's it means basically what it says. Christ is in everything. He puts his, his code into everything. And we don't need to fight that because some people say, well, oh, come on. The Bible is all spiritual. It doesn't mean the literal things. Well, if, if that's the case, then none of these people ever existed. Yeshua was never here. Peter never existed. Paul never existed. Right. <laughs> so it's, we need to realize, I think, that, that like you're saying, that the Bible is both. People ask, is it spiritual or, or is it physical? And the answer is yes. Yes, yes, it is it both. Is. It is absolutely both. And some people tend to focus on the physical and their yeah. the history and this king reigned from this year to this year. Uh, and other people uh, focus solely on the spiritual. But the point is, it's both. God is multidimensional. He's all in all. He fills all things everywhere mm. with himself. And as we get through uh, some of these examples, you'll see in places that you would never think God is that he is actually there. The second verse is, again, the one that I started dwelling on about God's presence being... Uh, his invisible attributes are clearly mm -hmm. seen through what he has created. And that's why we're without excuse. We can't say, oh, I never heard the message of God. Well, if, if you're living and breathing, you're, you're actually broadcasting the message of God. And we can get into that in a little bit. Uh, the next one is the fact that Jesus spoke only in parables. It's Matthew 13, 34. Jesus told the crowds all these things in parables and he did not tell them anything without a parable. Hmm. So if he didn't tell them anything without a parable, that means everything is a parable in addition to the actual physical event happening. And we know a lot of physical events happened in the Bible, throughout the Gospels and the Old Testament. All those things happened physically. So I don't mean to uh, mislead anybody and say, oh, they, they didn't happen. They're all just spiritual stories. But in addition to the physical event, there is that additional message the parable message, the spirit message, the allegory message, the metaphor message, however you wish to phrase it, I call it God speed because he's God and he's getting us up to speed yeah. on, on the way That reminds the way me of teaches. when folks do uh, midrashes or like a Bible study on, on the Shabbat, they will do uh, quite often, uh, there's several levels uh, in Hebrew thought of, of digging into the Bible. And one is called the sod, which means the hidden meaning, the spirit. And that's kind of what, I guess the, Yeshua's parables did. He was saying, I'm telling you this story, but think about it from a different angle. Don't look at it just from what I'm telling you. Is that, is that right? Is that what Godspeed is? is sort of yes, that? and uh, that brings me to the next verse. Uh, the key verse is, it's a very short verse, and it's one that you know, I never hear talked about in public, but it's Isaiah 46.10, and God says that he declares the end from the beginning. Declaring the end from the beginning. Well, what does that mean? It means he's telling us the end of the story, the conclusion of the matter, the future, if you will, right from the start. Hmm. So no matter what you're looking at, what you're studying, even the Bible itself, from the very beginning, it's actually broadcasting a message about the end of the story, our glorious future. If you're on board with God, you're going to have a very glorious future of eternal life, and it's broadcast from the very beginning. So that is a key concept. And as we go through example after example uh, throughout the show, you're going to see that God's message is always telling the end of the story, the future conclusion of the matter right from the start. That's why we don't have to fear anything in life, because we know the end of the story. 
even if we die physically, we still know there's still more to come after we die. We're going to be resurrected and become eternal children of God. Right. Uh, sitting on thrones and, and judging angels and judging mm. the citizens of this world. All those sentences are in the Bible because... It is always declaring the end from the beginning. That makes sense because, you know, we in our physical realm, we, we are always just thinking about the present. And we are to be more like God, right? We, that's our whole purpose here is to be more like him and treat people like he would and that type of thing. And he is eternal. So it makes sense that he would tell the, the beginning or the end from the beginning so that we can kind of get this concept of he understands it all. He wants us to understand it all from the beginning and not worry about what's happening right now. Absolutely. I mean... A, a baby tree is not a mature tree. It has to grow into the, the big tree, just like we have to grow into our mm. mature selves, and we're always growing, and the Bible says you have to start learning with the milk, but then you're meant to get onto the meat of the matter, the more substantive matters, because that's the end game. Mm. You know, you, you start a job, but you don't run the company yet, but maybe 20 or 30 or 40 years later, you're running the company because you grow into that position. And so God is preparing us to help run the company. We were created to be his helpers and we're mm. going to be sitting on his divine throne doing all these things that he does. Even in the New Testament, Jesus said, you're going to be doing greater things than I'm doing here. So that's our divine destiny. So we really have nothing to worry about. We just have to accept it into our mind that we're not just these dumb animals, these dumb brutish animals who are out there just eating and foraging for food and paying the mortgage and, and, and worrying about uh, uh, whether we're going to survive the next day. We should have no anxiety at all, and Jesus talked about that quite a bit in the New Testament. Uh, you know, he feeds the birds. The birds have to go out and get their food, but God provides the food right. for them. So if you have faith in God, then you don't have to be anxious. You don't have to live in a constant state of dread. It's the evildoers, according to Psalm 14, who are living in the state of dread all the time. They, uh, they devour God's people, and, and they're always living in dread, the Bible says. So we can actually rest easy, our end is uh, secure in God, and um, that brings me to the next uh, key verse of the Bible that brings us up to God's speed. It's Hebrews 13.8, which states that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, that's not a difficult concept for people to understand, that Jesus doesn't change. He's, he's good, and he's always good, and the Father is good. So, what is... Why is this so important? It mentions three different days in this phrase, yesterday, today, and forever. Tomorrow is forever. It's tomorrow really never comes, but uh, there's, always, there's always tomorrow. That's a good point. <laughs> there's, there's always the next day. But uh, yesterday, today, and tomorrow, forever. The Bible mentions three days all the time, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. You see a three-day theme, not just the seven-day cycle of, of the weekly cycle, but you see three days mentioned all the time, whether it's three days of darkness in Egypt or Jonah being in the uh, fish for three days and three nights, Jesus being in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. This three-day theme is mentioned quite a bit. And as we get into the examples of God's speed, we're going to see why it's important because basically it, it's telling you yesterday is the past. We all know that song by the Beatles, Yesterday. I'm not going to sing it here because I can't really sing that well. But, uh, but yesterday is the past, and we, we say that all the time. It's not just 24 hours ago. We, we say yesterday, it means it could be the ancient past. Mm. Today is the present. We're living today, and it, today could mean you know, this week or this month or this year. It's just the general present time. 
and tomorrow is the future. Nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow exactly, but uh, maybe God does, but uh, tomorrow is the next day. So there are three days involved. Yesterday is one day, the past. Today is the present, and tomorrow is forever, the future. So when the Bible mentions three days, you can apply all these Bible verses to whatever example you're looking at in Scripture and sometimes in in just uh, regular life to understand the spirit level, the parable level, the metaphor level, because God is always telling us our glorious end right from the beginning. Mm. And at that parable level, I think that's something we need to key on, right? It's like- Right, God's speed is the parable level. Yeah. If, if you want to think of it that way, it's the spirit level, the parable level. Everything's a parable. Mm. So, so yeah, and that's why Yeshua only spoke in, in parables, right? I mean, that's what he was getting, trying to get, like we said before, he's trying to get the, the crowd to think differently, to think on this God speed level. Absolutely, and, and the Bible itself uses interchangeable terms for, for different things uh, at times. And, um, you know, I was just interviewed a couple of weeks ago by the Jerusalem Post on this matter. Oh, wow, because okay. the parable level, the spirit level of Godspeed is, uh, and some, some people don't understand it, and the reporter with the Jerusalem Post uh, was asking me about the apparent conflict in the Bible uh, about... Jesus' death, and the Gospels get into the details of Jesus' death and mention that it's happening in and around Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the place where, where he was executed, as we all know. But then Revelation, the book of Revelation, throws a curveball at us in Revelation 11, verse 8, mentioning that uh, the city where Jesus was crucified is called Sodom and Egypt. And he says, why does Revelation say that Jesus was crucified in Sodom and Egypt when everybody knows that he was crucified in Jerusalem? Well, it gets back to physical and spiritual. Physically, we all know that Jesus was crucified in the general environs of Jerusalem. However, Revelation Chapter 11, verse 8, goes out of its way to tell you to make the jump to God's speed because it says the place which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. So it's telling you to make the jump to the spirit level, the parable level, the metaphor level. It's an allegory for Sodom and Egypt, Jerusalem, because we now have to dig into the meanings of Sodom and Egypt to, to explain this. And this is an important point in God's speed is the place names in the Bible and the people names of the Bible are just not names. They actually mean things. Hmm. People have names and they generally mean things. Uh, and this is the case with Sodom and Egypt. Sodom, in case you don't know, happens to mean flaming or burning, the hmm. burning place. Egypt literally means the dark place of misery. The Hebrew word for Egypt is Mizraim. Sounds a whole lot like misery, because that's what it means. It actually means what it, what it sounds like in English. Mm. The double distress, miseries. So we li- are living here in our fleshly bodies in the dark place of misery, where there's a lot of heat uh, put on us. It's the furnace of affliction, as uh, mm. Isaiah mentions in uh, Isaiah chapter 48. We're all in this burning place. Life is heat that is put on us, and there, there are struggles, the challenges that we have to go through. And so, when I explain that to the reporter with the Jerusalem Post, he's like, "Oh, I, I, it makes perfect sense to huh. me now that, that he understood it. It's the parable level, uh, and that's how Jesus taught. Sodom and Egypt 
is the parable level, is the spiritual level, the Godspeed level for Jerusalem. And we're going to even get into this. You've told me how even just the common phrases we use, like uh, if your boss is really on you, you'll say that he's putting a fire under my rear end. There again is the fire. Exactly, the fire. We're, we're all in the and fire. And people say, oh no, come on, that can't be. But let, let's get into that in the next segment. Let's, let's get into you know, how people kind of doubt this and what you say to folks who say, oh, you're just making that up. So let's just hold on to that thought for a second. So we're talking about reaching Godspeed with author Joe Kovacs. Very interesting stuff. We have just started and we want to thank you for bringing him here because you did it. Your donations bring Joe here and you brought his wife here. She's watching in the green room across the way here. And uh, we want to thank you for bringing them here because it's your donations that make it all happen. And you, someone made it possible so you could see this show. Now, your donations make it possible for someone to see this into the future, as Joe and I are talking about the future. So will you donate to A Rude Awakening International so that others can see this show? Uh, we want to thank you for that in advance. We'll give you a couple minutes to do it. We'll be right back. Thank you for donating to A Rude Awakening. It's because of you that we can bring in Joe Kovacs. Joe Kovacs is the author of Reaching Godspeed, and you can find this book at reachinggodspeed.com. And uh, Joe, when we look at the table of contents here, I'm seeing that uh, everything is in uh, gears. So like a, a car, is that what we're meant to, so reaching Godspeed is like driving a car? Right, we're all stuck in traffic, if you want to think of it that way. Everybody's been stuck, stuck <laughs> in traffic in their lives, and it's like the worst feeling that you can have. You're not moving anywhere. We are meant to progress with God, to mm. grow in the knowledge of grace and truth. And so I made each chapter a gear, where we start in first gear, and we shift to second gear, third gear. I think I have uh, 12 gears. That's a lot of gears for a car. Yeah. But it's <laughs> because we're getting up to a higher speed, a higher state of learning, of understanding what God is saying. So, you know, a lot of people go to church these days, or if, even if you don't go to church, uh, you think you know everything, or you think you know enough to get into God's kingdom, and you just stop. You think, well, you know, I'm, I've repented of my sins, or I, I've given up certain practices. I know enough. I can just sit on my laurels now and wait for Jesus to come and that is a very poor attitude to have. And even in Revelation, you see Jesus getting very angry at his, uh, the members of his own church, the believers, the brethren. He says at one point uh, that he wants to spew them out of his mouth because they're neither hot nor cold. They're mm. just kind of lukewarm where, you know, they praise Jesus with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. So we need to keep shifting our our, our minds, our gears to get up to God's speed. And um, even Paul in the New Testament talks quite a bit about, you know, you people should be teachers by now, but you're, you're stuck on the basic elements of salvation when mm. you, you need to be getting to the higher level. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get people up to speed, up to the way God uh, thinks and teaches, because we, again, are the teachers for other people so that they can learn the song that is being sung here in the Bible. If you're just stuck in traffic and not moving anywhere, it, it doesn't help anybody. We have to get into high gear, get onto a clear road, and, uh, and, and make the jump out of our nothingness that we're, that we're all sitting in to, to get up to where we need to be. Well, it's like a marriage, right? Like, so pe people try so hard when they're dating, and then they get married, and then, yeah. <laughs> exactly. They just stop. They think, oh, well, I'm married. I don't need to do anything anymore. Right. Yeah. And that's not the way it happens. You're supposed to progress and keep moving and learning. And there's always something you can learn about your spouse. So we're all in school here. If you think about mm. that way, we're all meant to learn. 
God never says, oh, stop learning. <laughs> he right. says, you know, keep learning, keep growing, and uh, everything in life is growing. Things mm -hmm. that are alive grow, whether it's plants or fish or whatever. Everything is growing because it, it's meant to grow and mature, and this is what we have to do. And here in the flesh, I know it's difficult because we have our all those attractive things out there in the world that divert our minds and divert our attention from, from the things of God and growing. And it could be, you know, things that don't ordinarily sound bad, like watching sports. It's not wrong to watch a sports game, but some people consume their lives with watching sports. They know every statistic and every team and, and every little trade of somebody going from one team to another, but, you know, they can't tell you the first commandment of God or something like that. So we all need to be, have... Uh, have our focus on God, mm. and that's what gets us up to speed. And just looking, like you mentioned, uh, looking at the world around us, if we just stop, put down the cell phone, turn off the television, open a window and just look and observe and learn and really study what's in front of us, it's almost like Yeshua telling us those parables. The world in front of us is a parable, right? Like you said, everything, the trees grow, the grass right. is green. Why is the sky blue, kids ask when they're little. All of these things are valid questions that Yehovah has built into us to ask in order to get to know him. I mean, is that the whole purpose here? Yes, because everything points to God. That's, that's the whole... That's the whole reason we're here. We're not here for some random thing or, as the scientists will tell you, we're the accident of some space flatulence that took place millions <laughs> of years ago with no purpose. God has created us out of the dust of the earth with a purpose mm. to bring us out of the dust of the earth to become uh, co-rulers. We're going to reign with him. We're going to rule with him. We're going to sit on Christ's own throne, the book of Revelation says, because we're meant to be like him. Mm -hmm. We're going to see him as he is because we're no longer going to be stuck here in the flesh. Stuck here in this traffic, if you want to think of it that yeah. way. And there's awful traffic around this city, as I think I mentioned to you before. And it's a terrible feeling. Nobody likes being stuck. We want to be free, have freedom, liberty. God is liberty. And, mm -hmm. and you can't have that when you're just, you keep your mind in neutral. We've got to get out of neutral and start moving our mind. And it, it's easy once you start getting into practice. You know, uh, my wife was... Uh, she was new to this. I was new to this just a few years ago, but when we started reading and asking, well, what does this mean on the spirit level rather than just the physical level of the Bible, it becomes much easier. And I mentioned the feed my sheep example earlier. Always think of that in the, in, in the back of your mind. Sheep represent people. So that's how easy this is. It's not difficult to reach the spirit level of Godspeed. So we are created in God's image. So God knew about all these things. It's not like we're comparing things to a rock or a piece of grass or something. Those things are there because God wants us to see something else there. Is that right? Like it's, it's not just, like we are created in his image. So everything comes from him and it's there for a reason. Beyond being nice and green on, uh, on our lawns, the grass has a purpose for us to learn from. Absolutely, no matter what you look at in nature, whether it's grass or rocks or water or mm -hmm. trees, all these created things point to God, what God is like and what we should mm -hmm. be like. I mean, God is himself, as you know, called the rock. Yeah. The rock, because well, he's the ultimate rock in the Bible, and other people are called rocks too. Peter is called a rock or a stone. So, because mm. we're meant to be like God. Mm. The Bible mentions, surely the people are grass. The Bible mentions in Revelation, the waters represent masses of people. Uh, 
We're called trees in the Bible. So, you know, make the tree good or make the tree bad. And if, it, if it's an unworthy tree, what happens? It gets cut down and gets thrown into the fire. Mm. He's not talking about a physical tree. He's talking on the spirit level, the parable level of God's speed, because we are the trees. It even gets comical at times in the Bible where Jesus actually healed a blind man. And uh, he says, what do you see? And the blind man says, I see people I see men, it looks like trees walking. So, and if you look at our bodies when we stand up and walk around, we look like a yeah. tree walking because we are trees. Jesus calls us branches. I am the vine, you are the branches. It doesn't hmm. matter what thing has been created. It usually refers to people on the spirit level, on the parable level of God's speed. So that's what I'm trying to get people to realize. Not only is a tree a physical tree, it is a spiritual tree as well, because the people are trees. The Bible uses examples of rivers clapping their hands or trees shouting with joy. Let the forests shout for joy. Let the fields resound uh, with singing because they're people. Mm. <laughs> Everything that's been created by God references people. You know, trees can't literally clap their hands, a physical tree, but we, the spiritual trees, can clap mm. our hands because that's what the Bible is referring to. So when you see um, items personified throughout the Bible, uh, it is personifying them because it is representing people. It's not a difficult concept. When you see something created talking or voicing uh, something. There's a, an example in the book of Judges where it says the trees said to one another, come, let us anoint a king and reign over us. Are there literal trees that are, are, are talking? No, it's talking about people. We do this in the news today when it says in the news, the White House said today such and such. We don't think that a building that is white is actually having a mouth and speaking. It is the power or presence behind there. Basically, the president is saying, or the officials in the administration are saying such and such. So personification is a very important tool that gets us up to God's speed. So I guess that can make us, or help us make more sense of things in Revelation where everything is spirit. So John is trying to, to describe what he sees in this vision. And he says that the, le the leaves of the trees are healing for the nations. So that would mean when what you're saying, something from us becomes the healing for the nations, for example. Absolutely, is that, right? that is that's as easy as it gets. It's a brilliant example you bring up there because you know God is the tree of life. He is life, it says in the Bible. I am life, and I have come that they have, might have life. So uh, God is the ultimate tree of life spiritually, and we are the leaves. We're attached mm. to the tree of life, and we are going to be uh, healing the nations, the other peoples who didn't get it in the first round. So when the Bible says we're going to be coaching angels, judging angels, and judging the citizens of this world, we're going to be teaching those people uh, in the future who didn't get it in the first round. It's, yeah. it's that simple when you just apply the personification point to uh, the spirit level. So are there some things just in our normal life, without looking at the trees and the rocks and that kind of type of thing, uh, with regard to just how we live. Like I'm seeing on, on page three of your book, like very early, it's found in typical life activities such as 
Breathing. So Godspeed is found in breathing. So yeah. explain to me how that, how, how, what's that? Well, we're all familiar with breathing and we wouldn't, we wouldn't be watching the television program right now if you were breathing. And uh, it's a very simple process. We're doing it every second. We're either inhaling or exhaling. It, it sustains our life. And people don't realize that it is broadcasting not only our past, but it's sustaining us through the present and it is a message for the future. If we look in the Bible, the book of Job talks about uh, the spirit of uh, the Lord, the breath of the Lord, the spirit uh, sustains me. And uh, right in the book of Genesis, it talks about the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into him Hmm. uh, the spirit and man became a living being. So the spirit of God is breathed by God into us and we become a living being. So this is not just describing the ancient event way back with Adam in the garden. Every breath you take, you're not breathing on your own, especially at night. You know, you go to sleep, you're not telling yourself, oh, I need to draw a breath right now and and exhale. God is keeping you breathing. So he is Mm -hmm. giving you the presence of God as you sleep and even as we're doing this television program, he is sustaining you through the breath of God. And the real key clincher or the surprise uh, for many people is understanding that it's not just yesterday and today, but it's also broadcasting tomorrow, the forever age, Mm. because there's going to come a time when God is going to reform us a second time out of the dust of the ground, whether it's in the grave or the dust bodies that we're made of right now, and he's going to breathe into us his spirit so we become an eternally alive living being. When the Bible talks about living beings, it's really talking about beings that are alive forever. Eternal life, the Bible promises us. So that is Godspeed, even through every breath we take. We don't realize that we're going to be brought back from the grave through this process of God breathing into us the breath of life into our bodies and reforming us out of this dust of the earth that we're in. Mm. You know, it's, it's very interesting the, the way that when Yehovah creates us in the beginning, all that is built in and, it, and it's perfect. So then when we had uh, another f- uh, person who visited us for Shabbat Night Live recently was uh, Doug Hamp, Dr. Douglas Hamp. And he talks about how uh, we, we are corrupting the image when things of this world and, and as we get into Revelation start accelerating. So it's almost like that perfect example is no longer perfect if, we, if man starts messing with it. So I've heard, for example, our DNA. So we're taking, we're taking examples here of the, the human body, how we're breathing and all this. So DNA, uh, some people have supposed that uh, in the DNA helix is, um, the name of Yehovah is, is in that. There's some Hebrew in, in that sequence. Mm-hmm. And then when we start doing things, thinking that man is better at this than God is, and we start inventing our own ways of uh, being healthy or living forever or whatever, it starts corrupting that image. So in a sense, when man interferes, we are, we are ruining God's perfect example because it was all perfect in the beginning. And he tells us it, just from his creation, what his plans are. I mean, that's what I'm seeing here. Right. I mean, it was perfect, but not complete. You know, when God created things, we didn't really have the knowledge to become like him, and that's why we're being taught throughout our lives. Yes, we were created in the image of God, and uh, our DNA is probably, probably I'm not a scientist, but <laughs> it probably reflects him because, as I said, you can look into anything, and it is a reflection of God somehow, but we have to learn in the meantime to have the character of God. 
you know, there were angels created by God, too, a long time ago, and many of them uh, are obedient to God and are still obedient to God, but these angels, even though they are creations of God, uh, they rebelled against God, so they have a, a wicked character in them, an evil, a flaw, something that's not perfect, uh, and that's why God is creating us to give us the chance to overcome all this wickedness. And yes, he did put the devil in the garden with us to test us. You know, God didn't make a world where he said, okay, uh, here's a paradise and there's no challenge for you. The devil was put in the garden by God because we have to learn from the wicked one himself how to reject all the evil because, again, we are meant to grow to become like God. So, yes, we can see God's presence in everything that... uh, uh, it was all created in, in a good state. As we see in Genesis, God created and it was good. But uh, yes, we are corrupting it through uh, our wickedness, our rebellion against God. A popular word is sin. And sin is the transgression of the law. That's the Bible definition of what sin is. People might say, oh, it's smoking or whatever. And, and yes, on a physical level, that, that might be it. But uh, sin is the breaking of God's laws. And he gives a lot of instruction uh, throughout the Bible, through the Ten Commandments and, and all his, his judgments and opinions in there. When we're going against God, when we're opposing God, rebelling against him, that's what sin is and that's what leads to death. Yeah, and sin, uh, yeah, exactly. So sin or death is the ultimate uh, end, end game of corruption, I guess. Of sin. So sin basically corrupts to the point of death. And that's why the angels, like you mentioned, the angels, uh, the ones that were thrown out of heaven, essentially, were the ones who thought they could do better than God. So they began to sin, as it were, introduce that corruption, and as a result, death came. Hmm. They're booted out. And, and mankind today thinks that he can do better than God. We change a lot of things. We change the foods that we make. We strip down all the, the goodness from God and, and, and reform. They're making potato chips, but they tear the potato chip apart <laughs> and they reform and make these newfangled potato chips. And that's just a simple example. But uh, mankind, we're very arrogant in our, mm. in our thinking, especially, you know, the, the, the scientists, the so-called smart people of the world who think they know everything, that everything came from nothingness, when that is the most absurd thing that I've ever heard, that we, we all came from nothingness, that, you know, you take this pen, for instance. You look at this pen, if you find this in the woods, you would think, hmm, that looks like it has some design to it. it. It looks like somebody created it. It just didn't happen on its own. But you look at the human body, which has a lot more design than this pen, and they said, oh, that just happened by accident and through a series of bizarre mutations that we come up with this thinking, loving, uh, intelligent human being. So it's all, all these smart people who think, oh, we can, do, we can do better than God because they don't believe in God uh, in the first place. Uh, you know, Psalm 14 says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So these people don't even believe in God in the first place where they make themselves out to be like God. Mm. And that comes from looking within, doesn't it? Instead of looking, like we said earlier, instead of stopping what we're doing and looking outside, the sin comes from looking inward and just getting ourselves in circles about things when really we just need to be looking what's in front of us? What has Yahweh put in front of us? Like you said, Yeshua himself used... Um, uh, parables all the time, and he called people sheep, and all these stories that have deeper meaning. It's not about looking into yourself and and trying to figure out how I can be better than God, and 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 thinking along that line where we get into the trap of thinking we're greater than God and trying to figure things out ourselves. It's just 
Look what's in front of us. Is, I mean, is that, is that what God's speed is? Just stop, go to a childlike level, not childish, but a childlike level and start asking questions. Absolutely. Everything that you look at, whether it's the animals or, or the rocks or the trees that we mentioned, everything is somehow broadcasting the message of God. Even, you know, th there's wickedness in the world that we mentioned, but again... The Bible itself is full of wickedness. There's all kinds of documented wickedness in the Bible. I'm not saying the Bible endorses it. It certainly doesn't, but it contains it. So even in simple things in this world, like a song that you might hear on the radio, you would think, oh, it's, oh, that's, you know, we shouldn't be listening to that. But the songs and even the songwriters are writing songs that are penned at God's speed because, again, everything has a message of God in it, whether it's good or evil. This is the world, the land of good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil. Good is God, evil is the devil, if you want to think of it that way. Mm. So both are present and we have to discern between that. So it's almost like we have to understand who runs this place, because even if song, like you say, for a, a song from uh, a, a non-Christian artist or whoever, God is still in charge of this place, and he's going to have his message go through these folks, even if they don't understand it, even if they don't perceive it. Is that right? Absolutely. I mean, a song like Stairway to Heaven, many people like that song is possibly the greatest rock song of all time that the rock people talk about. You know, it's literally called Stairway to Heaven for a reason, because it is the stairway to heaven. <laughs> it is the passageway to get to the next level uh, of, of, where, of where God is. So no matter what song, whether it's Happy Birthday. Happy Birthday, by the way, is the most recognized song in the English language, mm -hmm. in case you didn't know that. Everybody knows the words. It's now in the public domain, so I don't need to sing the song to you. But when you sing happy birthday to you, uh, to somebody, that song in itself is declaring the end from the beginning because we all had our original birthday, as we know, the day we were born, and we can recognize it once a year. But our true happy birthday, our happiest birthday of all time, is when we're born again into the kingdom of God. Mm. Jesus said you cannot uh, see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. That is our ultimate happy birthday, the happiest birthday we'll ever have. So in a simple song like that, it is broadcasting at mm. God's speed. Interesting. Okay, so this is just a different way of looking at things. So. We're going to continue next week with looking at things differently. I hope you will join us. Joe Kovacs is opening our eyes to a way we see things in the world that maybe you've never seen before. It's like cracking open the Bible, reading that Bible verse you've read a thousand times, and all of a sudden you see some deeper meaning to it. I hope you are getting something out of this. Hope you join us next week. Until then, Shavua Tov. We'll see you next time on Shabbat Night Live.